3: Hey there, Disney Files! Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy.
2: We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present.
3: Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties.
2: Keep your hands and in arms inside the carpet But on this show we'll be breaking each Disney classic down so the to answer the impossible question
3: What is, what is the best, best Disney, best Disney song? song? Hello, hello and welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will I'm Stackers
2: And I'm Will
3: <laughs> That's That's it uh, and uh yeah. that that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for listening. For and we'll
2: see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Did you just have
3: a connection or
2: Uh no, no. I, I responded. I just it must have not uh, come through. I heard and I am
3: will, but usually you follow it with and on this show.
2: Oh fuck. You're you right. Idiots. I do
3: too.
2: <laughs> And I'm Will, and on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney classic down song by song in an attempt to answer the impossible question
3: What is the best Disney song? I don't know. That's all right. Last night we were recording a bonus episode and I couldn't even remember what I said at the start. So yeah, I was like, is great. it one it's hello, great. two hellos? Do I say greetings? Uh, yeah. You can
2: hear that clusterfuck over at <laughs> patreon.com slash dissecting Disney.
3: Uh, it's because we're not in the same room as each no, other. It's a different, no, you no. Know, it feels once, whack.
2: Yeah, once again, COVID has hit us and mm. we have to record remotely, which is not ideal but you know, we try and make the best of it where we can.
3: Yeah, we make it work, and we make it work for you, our yeah, we, loyal listeners.
2: I don't know if we make it work. We make it something like we make something an happens to make it. Yeah, work. there is an attempt, <laughs> an attempt to make it work. How you going, Stackers? What's been happening? I'm
3: good. I finished painting the front of my fence today, and therefore Yay! I have achieved. How about you? <laughs>
2: uh, I did not paint my fence today, so I have not achieved. Uh, but I did pick up a bunch of carpet. Uh, why, you ask? Uh, uh, that is a great question. Because you Next, love carpet. Ne- <laughs> Next question, please. No, <laughs> no I've spent um, all day trying to recreate uh, a whole new world with just me <laughs> and my dogs. So,
3: <laughs> How's that going for you?
2: Oh, look, they won't sit on the carpet, so it is endlessly disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. That's oh, okay. good times. But we're not here to dissect furniture and how we slept as teenagers. Nope. We are here
4: to talk about Aladdin. 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 Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al or maybe just Din? Or how about Laddie? Sounds like, here, boy. Come on, Laddi. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's uh it's Saturday night and we're loopy. <laughs> we so. <laughs> are. So
3: loopy, so so loopy. Initial thoughts.
2: Initial thoughts were that it was both there was two things that it was a lot more of than I remember. So it's a lot darker than I remember, but it's also a lot funnier than I remember as yep. well. Like it, and it, you know even just Robin Williams aside which I'm sure we'll talk about and get into, it's there's little moments that are just so, so funny that I completely forgot existed. Yeah. Like, like in One Jump Ahead where Abu picks up the sword and uh, they're all just like, he's, he's got, got a sword! sword. You idiots! <laughs> We've all got swords! <laughs> just, it is so, so funny. And it's it's a really noticeable change from the last couple of movies, which had moments of humour, but weren't, I I would say, like overtly funny. And this is very much... An animated comedy, so yeah. it's um yeah I I really really enjoyed it um but it is also a bit darker than I remember too. It gets quite quite scary at the end, and they're talking a lot about like beheadings and stuff like that, which like the second <laughs> I know I invoke it a lot, but Aladdin two: The Return of Jafar uh, gets <laughs> even darker in the realm of beheadings. And just to sort of delve into you know Will as a as a child, um I was utterly terrified of beheadings. Right. Um, I remember when I uh, moved to the new area that I lived in so I moved. I, I grew up in a town for the first eight years of my life I, I lived in a town called Lara which is on the outskirts of Geelong which is sort of a more rural town in, uh, in Victoria uh, or it was back then it's not so much now I guess um, but then we moved to Belgrave and I, I started going to the local primary school there and they were watching The Scarlet Pimpernel which is a okay. movie from like the 80s and the movie's rated G so you can show it at all ages but there is some real graphically implied beheadings like this guillotine like dropping down and all this sort mm. of stuff and i remember being just like perplexed and traumatized by these beheadings so then it to sort of have it in this cartoon as well yeah it's it's uh it's it's quite dark
3: Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have that problem as a child. but uh, <laughs> that's Yeah,
2: that's just me being weird, I guess.
3: So. <laughs> I do 100% agree, though. It is so much funnier than I remember.
2: Yeah. yeah. I
3: especially found Gilbert Gottfried as Iago yeah. hysterical. Yeah. Absolutely hysterical. Absolutely
2: hysterical. Yes, yeah. yes. And little moments with with Iago, like um, when uh, they first meet Prince Ali and he goes on the carpet ride and, like, it pulls out from under the staff and you just see him, like, dong, 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 dong down the staff. <laughs> That's all very funny stuff. It's yeah, very good. I,
3: I love him. And um, Tim was like, oh, you know, it's just, like, that's the only voice he can do, and I'm like, yes, but to me, it's the uh, Iago voice, yeah. like that could not. I can't imagine that any other way. And it was intended a different way. It was originally meant to be like a toffee kind of large dark okay, yeah, yeah. bird, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's obviously gone a completely different direction, and it yeah. completely changed the way that um oh, what's his name that plays Jafar? Jonathan Freeman played. Jafar as well yeah
2: okay it's
3: it's so much funnier and it's tough to think i uh, like Beauty and the Beast has always been my favorite but this is this is up there yeah I thoroughly enjoyed this movie
2: it's certainly a really solid movie I really really enjoyed it
3: yeah well I've mm. got a butt ton of stats but before we do that let's have some drinks <laughs> give me drinks, y'all
2: So, Stackers, today we are doing a shot. Shot, 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 <laughs> shot, shot. shot. <laughs> so, I, I made a recipe, uh, which I, I try and do every now and then, but sometimes I'll adapt a recipe that I see online <laughs> or something. But I made this one completely from scratch, and it's called The Friend Like Me. Like I said, it is a shot, but essentially what I'm trying to do is create baklava flavors in a shot. Okay. Have you ever had bu- you ever had baklava?
3: I've had baklava. I'm, I'm yeah.
2: European. Oh, true. Yes, yeah. I, I forget. <laughs> I'm the only white guy in this uh, in this podcast. Um, so it is a very. It's it's quite. There's only two main ingredients, but. Those two ingredients can be a little bit complex to get. So I understand if not everyone's going to look at it. But essentially, I've got a walnut bourbon, which is just a... I've taken bourbon and I've like ground up a bunch of walnuts and I've (laughs) steeped them in the bourbon (laughs) for... And I've steeped them in the bourbon for... Um, I left them in the bourbon for a week. So... Um, oh my god! S- steeped the walnuts in the bourbon, and then I've strained out the bourbon. So it's its a, a normal looking bourbon, it just has taken on some of those walnut flavours. That's
3: commitment, man!
2: It's commitment! And then I made a honey and rose water syrup. Now, I've spoken I think I don't think I've mentioned honey syrup on the podcast before but essentially it's another type of simple syrup type sweetener but we use honey instead of sugar and so I've mixed equal parts honey and water so one cup of each and then I've also included some lemon zest uh, or lemon rind. so I've just taken some li- uh, lemon peel chucked it in there along with some orange peel as well uh, some cinnamon and also uh, just a dash of rose water so it's a rose water and Honey syrup.
3: This sounds like you're making some sort of herbal mix to cure, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah. or <something>, you know? <laughs> <laughs> tuberculosis cure. This is it. This is it. Then we just um, take a bar spoon of your honey and rosewater syrup and pop it in a shot glass. Then top it up with your walnut bourbon, and that's the friend like me, which I've got in my coffee cup because uh, you know <laughs> we're recording remotely and I'm loose as a goose. Uh, so here we go. Can I-
3: this is. All right, I want
2: to watch yeah. your faces. You shoot right.
3: this. Cheers. <laughs> <just> massive glass. <laughs> it's, it's not like bad. A shot out of a jam jar.
2: It's not bad. I think it could probably be a bit sweeter. So maybe depending on your tastes, change out the ratio of syrup to to bourbon. But it's not bad. It definitely has baklava style flavors. The walnut, I don't think I'm really getting much of. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I like it.
3: Well, Will sent me this recipe in a much more simplified format than what he just
1: explained.
3: But I've made a different cocktail tonight because I was like, What well, have I wanna- you made? I'm, I can't make that. So I've made a, um, a genie cocktail. Yeah. Uh, and as you can, well, Will can see, it is bright blue.
2: Oh, it looks is. It's kind of green on my
3: camera, but that is. It's like an
2: aqua. That, it looks almost. like a
3: public pool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's, someone's definitely urinated in yeah. that. <laughs>
3: um, So that is orange liqueur, which I use. Contro, um, yeah, yeah. is that how you say uh, it?
2: Contra, I Contro, I think I call it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. orange yeah. liqueur.
3: Uh, tequila, peach schnapps, and I'm a fan Ooh. of anything that has peach schnapps in it. Like, yeah, I need to yeah. buy another bottle. I'm nearly out. <laughs> Blue Caraco. Sour mix, which is just like, um, what do you call it? Sugar syrup and lemon. So I yep, just put in yep. sugar syrup and lemon. I was like, I'll mix it all together. Um, yep. And pineapple juice. And you're meant to put in gold shimmer dust, except gold shimmer yeah. dust is really fucking expensive. So I don't yep. own any. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah nice. And, yeah, and then I threw a slice of lemon in it because I finally worked out how to stop lemons going off after you cut one piece out of
2: them. So. Cheers. Cheers. <sighs> mm. Ooh. Ooh. It sounds delicious.
3: That's really fruity. It, it yep. kind of tastes like a fruit tingle a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's get into some stats. stats, 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 stats.
3: stats, stats. stats, stats. The year is 1992.
2: Mm, because yes. we're now
3: on a roll with a movie a year, as promised by Katzenberg. Yep. The movie is Aladdin. The music is by Alan Menken. The lyrics are mostly by Tim Rice with a few songs that were written by Howard Ashman before he passed away. Uh As we mentioned, this was being written before Beauty and the Beast came into line. So they did The Little Mermaid. They were working on Aladdin. Then they swapped Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin around, which is Mm. why some of the songs are his. And the rest were filled in by Tim Rice, who is a famous writing partner of Andrew Lloyd Webber.
2: And Andrew (laughs) Ledweber. I just think of him as like, he's the lyricist for obviously The Lion King. I think he's the lyricist for,
3: is he? I think, I don't know. I haven't haven't got got to that film yet. Um.
2: That's next episode, Will. (laughs) Shut up.
3: (laughs) And uh, Alan Menken also wrote the score. Yeah. In the cast, we've got Scott Wagner, I think, as Aladdin. The genie is voiced very famously by Robin Williams. Jasmine yep. is voiced by Linda Larkin. Jafar is voiced by Jonathan Freeman. Iago is voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. And the mm-hmm. Sultan is voiced by Douglas Seale. Mm. Now, probably my favorite voicing in here is yep. actually Frank Welker. So, yep. all three of these voices are one man. <laughs> that's all him that's very
2: interesting like because i didn't think of any of the uh, well abu i guess obviously i did but raja i never thought of as being a person playing a person him. right and yeah it's really interesting
3: i just find it really hard to go abu is the cave of wonders
2: yeah yeah that that is the most sort of discombobulated in my head Absolutely.
3: Speaking of the cast, what I found really interesting is Scott Wagner is like 16, 17 years old when he recorded this. Like, I think mostly 16. Oh, really? Is when he did most of the dialogue. Yeah, so he's he's a kid. He was yeah, also okay. Steve Hale in Full House, if you remember that show.
2: Yeah, yep, yep.
3: Uh, Robin Williams is obviously... It's Robin Williams. What yep. hasn't he been in? But yep. prior to this, he was very famously Morton Mindy prior, for, yeah. prior to this. And then... He signed on to a bunch of live action films. So he'd done Good Morning Vietnam and Dead Poets Society, which were both owned by Disney. Mm -hmm. And then he did Hook a few years later. And then he signed up to do Fern Gully. And there's a lot of controversy about Robin Williams, the way he was treated, the way his contract was treated, which I will loop back to in a second because that's going to take me a while to talk about. And then I might forget to talk about the other people. So we'll get back to Robin. But uh, Linda Larkin, who played Jasmine, she had to lower her voice. And it's really interesting. She sounds a lot like Jasmine in real life. Like some of these people, it's very obviously a voice they're putting on. Yeah. She just sounds like that in real life, but at a slightly higher pitch naturally. which is Her quite accent
2: cool. sounds really... There's, it's a really strange accent I find she has in this. Because it sounds a little bit like... Um, did you ever watch Shits Creek?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Sounds
2: a little bit like um, uh, Moira in Shits Creek. It's like, I can't stay here and let my life be lived for me. David, are you a dirty peeping Tom? Ta-
3: I am not a prize to be won. Yeah, yeah, I see it, I see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Scott and Linda both didn't actually sing in the film. So Aladdin mm. is sung by Brad Kane. Who was only about 17 or 18 years old when he recorded this as well. So Aladdin was just like a teenager all around. And Leia Salonia, who Uh. is a Broadway superstar and had just come off the back of uh, originating the role of Kim in Miss Saigon. She voiced the singing voice of Jasmine. And now is a good time to play. Where is Liz Callaway?
0: You welcome Liz Callaway.
3: Liz Callaway. It's Liz Callaway? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Liz Callaway. So, for those of you who haven't uh perhaps listened to our previous episode, there's a fun game I like to play called Where is Liz Callaway. Liz Callaway is a very famous Broadway um superstar, but she started out just constantly auditioning for Disney films and not getting in so she auditioned for the little mermaid she made it to the top five for ariel and didn't get it she auditioned for beauty and the beast she made it to the top three for Belle, didn't get it and then voiced one of the silly girls and random bits and pieces so for this she auditioned for jasmine and she made it to the top two so it was literally between her and her co-star of miss saigon so oh. liz calloway was the original broadway allen Leia was the original Broadway Kim. Good evening, ma'am. Don't turn the bed yet. I'm not the maid. What do you want then? Right. And they both ended up being up for Jasmine. And unfortunately, Liz lost out. She ended up singing random things in the chorus. And Leia got the job. Which, can you imagine going back to work
2: and then playing (laughs) opposite
3: this bitch that just...
2: (laughs) I mean... Later, Ellen and Kim don't really need to like each other, so I no, guess it don't. kind of plays into it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be awkward in the change rooms because I imagine they'd probably share a change room. Oh, be like, congrats
3: ah, on getting the job. So thanks, happy for you. Thanks,
2: Liz. I appreciate it. <laughs> David.
3: <laughs> so Jonathan Freeman, who plays Jafar, is actually the only person who... Oh, sorry, and Robin. They're, they're the only people who actually sing their own roles. Yeah jonathan freeman also funnily enough played jafar in the broadway production
4: you have the profile of a prince
3: with a physique
4: that matches beneath the dirt and patches you are a diamond in the rough
3: oh many many years later 2011
2: that was that 20 20 years far out
3: And it's really funny because Jonathan Freeman, first of all, he's afraid of birds, which is hilarious, but (laughs) he has a much... You listen to him speak and he's yeah. like, so I played Jafar. Like, he's very gentle. Yeah, yeah, Much higher pitch and you can't believe he's the one that's like, it's time to get rid of Prince yeah. <laughs> Frank Welker, who was Abu and uh, Raja in the Cave of Wonders, he was the original Fred in Scooby-Doo, which I think is really cute. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then he's voiced a few things after this that are like random animal noises. Gilbert <laughs> Gottfried is... Is, was quite a famous comedian, mm. and so this is kind of like Robin Williams is really famous for improvising 95% of this script, yeah. But Gilbert Gottfried actually also improvised most of his script, which yeah, I think right. is what makes both of them so funny because it's just so natural and so random, yeah. And this is what's so beautiful about the casting in this film compared to what followed. This is the first time that Disney has signed on an absolute superstar to voice a character in their movie. They've had celebrities before, but they Mm. weren't the status of Robin Williams. Yeah. And it was obviously a huge success, but this role was written for Robin. Yeah, okay. And Iago was written for Gilbert. So when you put them in, they just naturally are amazing at it because the role has been shaped around them. Whereas after this, they started doing like stunt casting of celebrities, but it was more like, we need a celebrity to fill this lead role. We need a celebrity to fill this lead role. And all of a sudden the roles weren't being written with an actor in mind. It was just his role. We need an actor. Like we need someone famous. And they started to just sell their movies constantly on stunt casting, Mm. which never, ever worked as well as Robin Williams playing the genie.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: So this unfortunately started a really like horrific trend in movies, both Disney and um, oh, who's their bloody competitor? Deloitte's films,
2: DreamWorks. 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 Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. so everyone's like, oh, we just need a, a name. It'd be like this person in this movie, uh, which Robin Williams never wanted it to be. He want, His contract was I must be in 25% or less of the marketing. He really yeah. didn't want it to be Robin Williams in Is the Genie in Aladdin. It, he just yeah. wanted to be in it. Um, we'll get back there. Uh, Douglas Seal was the sultan. He was Krebs the koala in The Rescuers Down Under. How uh, Australian does he uh, sound in this film? Yeah, like- no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh the other person of note in the tiny tiny role of Razul is Jim Cummings, who is the replacement voices for Pooh and Tigger. Right. I always yeah, think yeah, of yeah. him as yeah. uh Winnie the Pooh when I think of his name, but yeah. that's him and he's in this tiny role which is also the Razool? Ra- Razool is
2: um Oh no, it's oh, the guard. he's the, the big dude. Yeah, big guard. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> We've, We've all, all got, got swords. swords. <laughs>
3: He was also the original voice of Taz in Looning Tunes and Darkwing Duck. Yeah, yeah, duck. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, duck cool. Darkwing Duck. So looping back to the Robin Williams nightmare, the deal was he was already signed up to do Fern Gully. Do you remember Fern Gully or did you I ever do. watch that?
2: Yeah, I loved Fern Gully.
3: Yeah, love it in memory, because if you rewatch it, you'll be like, Holy shit, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah.
2: I the best thing that about it the is the Yeah, it's yeah. really really bad. He was the bat or something, wasn't he? He was, he was batty. like a bur- batty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that had Mel Gibson in it as
3: well. Is that am I remembering that correctly? Perhaps. I think
2: he was like the guy who gets shrunk. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
3: So basically that movie was produced by a film studio that literally produced that movie. That was it. They used to do like um, opening sequences. Like they actually animated the opening sequence to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
2: Oh, yeah. Cool. Like that opening like animated credits type Yeah, with all the little
3: cartoon kids running around. So that's what their shtick was. And then they decided we're going to do a movie. And it was the only movie they ever made. And they signed on Robin Williams to do this role. Yeah. And then Disney was like, hey, we want you to play the genie. And we want you to pull out of doing fangully And he was like, fuck that. I'm doing both. Uh, they got me first. That's the movie I'm doing. And he was doing that because he really liked like the green message. Respect yeah. the trees. And he wanted to do Aladdin because he really wanted to be part of the Disney legacy. And for the kids and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to do both. Um, but just don't use me to sell shit. I just want to yeah. be in the movie. Don't use me to sell shit. And they were like, yeah, sure. So first of all... They basically tried to completely sabotage Fern Gully. So Jeff Katzenberg used to find out what buildings they had hired to do production and recording in, and then they would offer those people more money to hire them to do nothing in. Oof. So they're like, oh, sorry, Disney booked it. Oh, sorry, Disney booked it. Um, and at one point they, like, found where they were and Katzenberg brought a team of, like, eight men and just, like, walked through whilst they frantically, like, tried to cover up all their shit.
2: Bloody hell.
3: Did not want this movie to come out. And he was like, you're not allowed to sing. And he, Robin Looms was like, fuck you. I'm a rapping bat. I'm going to rap the rap. Yo, the name is Patrick. The logic
4: is erratic. Potato in a jacket. Toys in the attic. I rock and I rap. But
3: I'm a mammo. So, anyway, there was all that shit. Basically, the way that they really hooked Robin Williams is Musker and Clements actually got an animator whose name I think I wrote down. His name was Eric Goldberg. They got him to animate The Genie. Doing Robin Williams stand up. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And that's how they sold it to Robin Williams because he was like, oh, Disney kind of evil corporate machine. They were like, and he was like, that's really funny. And I think there is footage of that and I will share it around. So he signed up and basically he was like, don't use my name to sell merchandise. And they're like, yeah, cool. And then they used him to sell all the merchandise. So he got really upset about that and he would just kind of mouth off about Disney. In any interview, he spoke really badly of them, literally whilst they're still making the film. He was like, nah, fuck Disney. Mm. And then when he won an award at the Golden Globes for his work on Aladdin, he didn't mention Disney once. Like, he yeah, normally right. like, they thank the company or whatever. He did not mention Disney at all.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and so the guy that replaced Katzenberg eventually apologised to him because previously Katzenberg had tried to apologise by sending him a Picasso painting, yeah. which he sent back. <laughs> and then the the replacement for Katzenberg did a public apology and it was like, what we did was wrong and we shouldn't have done it and there was a contract and we broke the contract. Yeah. And that's why... Robin Williams voices the genie in Aladdin 3, Aladdin Prince of Thieves.
2: But not Aladdin 2. But not
3: Aladdin 2. So Aladdin 2 was still when Katzenberg was in charge and he was like, fuck that, I'm not doing it. And they got the guy who voices Homer Simpson to be the genie. And then there was the apology and then Aladdin 3 came out and he came back and did the genie. Mm. And my God, did they ride that? It was like, starring Robin Williams as the genie.
2: (laughs) i Look, I'm very across Aladdin 2 and 3. I don't think I'd need to tell you that. Yeah, Yeah, you are. You are.
3: <laughs> so when it comes to academy awards yeah this was nominated for and won best original score went to alan Mencken. yep and best original song so there was two nominations one of them won what were they
2: uh for A friend like me yep and whole new world
3: yes and which one won
2: I want to say it's Friend Like Me, but I think it probably would be Whole New World.
3: Oh, now you're getting it. Good job. Yeah. Yes, a Whole yeah. New World won. Uh, they were also nominated for Sound Editing and Sound. Yeah, I don- really don't know what the difference is when it comes to film, but uh, <laughs> it lost both of yeah. those. In the Golden Globes, it won for Best Original Song, which was a Whole New World again. It won Best Score. They gave a Special Achievement Award to Robin Williams, and it yep. was nominated for Best Musical Picture uh, yeah, musical nice. comedy but it lost to some movie i've never heard of so yeah okay they're the awards the songs you'll recognize from it are probably most family famously a whole new world because pretty much yeah. everyone ever sings that at a karaoke bar a whole new world a new the other big ones are probably "Friend Like Me," "Prince Ali," and "One Jump Ahead," which is look—that's pretty much every song in the in the movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is a really popular show for songs. Yeah. So the the idea for this film was originally pitched by Howard Ashman. It was the highest grossing film of 1992, Ooh. at a gross box of 504 million dollars. Jesus. And it remained the highest grossing animated film ever until.
2: Um, Lion King. Yeah.
3: For those of you who have not seen Aladdin before or don't remember it, this is the... Where did I get this horrible synopsis off? I think this is from IMDb.
2: Yep.
3: So I look <clears> forward to
2: it. Here, here we, we go. go.
3: Aladdin develops a relationship with the genie. That's literally how it starts. And uses his wishes to become a prince to chase the affections of Princess Jasmine. When Jafar finally steals the lamp and gets three wishes of his own, Aladdin must rely on his intelligence to trick Jafar and save his friends and the kingdom. So basically, if you you go with that synopsis, the whole second half of the film is them fighting Jafar because he's got the lamp.
2: Also, I don't think it's his intelligence that outwits Jafar. It's just, he's a little bit sneaky and tricky. Like, he's not, like, doing complex algebraic maths on on a whiteboard (laughs) or anything. He's just like, "Uh what if you were a genie? And Jafar's like, oh, yeah, I could be a genie. Yeah, cool. Uh, Make me a genie, please.
3: But also, it's like the last five minutes of the film. It
1: is.
2: (laughs) It is.
3: (laughs) But that's half the synopsis yeah. <laughs> be like, that's the story.
2: Yeah, yeah. A more accurate uh, synopsis would be like, uh, he meets a genie who then does uh, complex improv for, you know, 25 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Can you
3: imagine being a kid? Because Scott Wagner was a kid. He was like 15, 16 years old or whatever I said. Can you imagine standing opposite Robin Williams and trying to keep your shit together yeah. as he runs this? And there's, there's footage of him running lines multiple times, every time with a different joke. Like, how yeah. could you keep... I would I, I, mm. I would yeah. never make it through a session. <laughs>
2: yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, the Whose Line Is It Anyway mm. episode with him on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And you can just see they're just like, this is amazing, but I don't know what I'm
3: doing. <laughs> the king is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'm really having a hard time staying in character. I know you are! So the original story, which I had to buy... I yeah, bought ooh. a physical book. It's the first time I've had to do it. I've rented books from the library before, yep. but my library didn't have this one, so I jumped on Amazon and got a one-day delivery on the book because <laughs> uh, I always famously leave reading the book until the last minute. It's and thankfully, I gave myself 48 hours to read this one because it was very long. Yep. And uh, I've emailed you the synopsis and the debrief of the book, so I don't have to explain it.
2: All right, let's go here. <clears throat> The version of Aladdin I am reading is Ursula Lyon's translation from Antoine Glan's 18th century French translation of the Arabic text. The original Arabic text unfortunately did not survive, so the French translation is the earliest edition we have of the story. That's complicated. Yep. The story of Aladdin, or The Magic Lamp, is part of a large collection of oral and scribed stories originating in the Middle East and collected over the year 1000. The collection was named 1001 Nights" and eventually came to be known in Western culture as the Arabian Nights. In this collection, you'll also find the stories of Sinbad the Sailor and Alibaba and the 40 Thieves.
3: I was say, a lot of people confuse Alibaba and Aladdin, mm. thinking they're the same yeah.
2: story. I remember... Well, I mean, Alibaba's mentioned in this uh, movie as well. Yes. When Alibaba had them 40 feet. Maybe that's where the people are sort of drawing Which I think is a nice nod
3: to that collection. Mm, yeah. Because these weren't, no one really knows who wrote these stories because a lot of them were, like orally passed down.
2: Yeah, okay. But, yeah.
3: you know, because these, these stories are from like the year 1000, so no one was mm. exactly like putting their names yeah. on things. Yeah. <laughs> um, Copyright. That's a really nice note. (laughs) The other thing I really love is Arabian Nights in Arabic is Mm. Alf Layla wa Layla. And my cat's name is Layla. Oh, that's cute. And so I looked it up, and Layla in Arabic means night beauty.
2: Oh, that's cute. It's important to note that whilst the story is set in China, China is more of an ideal fantasy land as opposed to an accurate or knowledgeable choice of setting for this story. Okay, I see. So they're just like this far off land, which we know is called China. Yeah, Yeah. cool. Which I was
3: really confused about because I did a pantomime. I played for a pantomime of um, Aladdin years and years and years ago and it was set in China. Right, And yeah. I was like, what? And they were like, oh, it's a Chinese story. And I just accepted it. Yeah. But no, it's an Arabic story set in China, but they had actually yeah. really no idea what China's like. And within the story, they talk about like Arabic tradition and occasionally go like the Chinese do. And I'm like, this whoever told this story had no mm. idea what China was Well, I guess like.
2: it's, it's just like when we tell a fairy tale now, and we're like once upon a time in a land far, far away, you know, we're just saying, yeah. they're, but they're just putting an actual name That's- to that land far, far away.
3: Yeah, and it's probably someone had traveled there once, and it would have been so different to. Well, I mean, Silk um, Road and all that
2: sort of stuff would have been around Mm. this time, I'm guessing. Yeah, Yeah. I don't actually know much about it, but yeah, that's cool. Um, Now, on to the story itself. The story of Aladdin, or the Magic Lamp, begins with a tailor named Mustafa, Mustafa, who lives with his wife and son, Aladdin. Aladdin is a bit of a shithead and refuses to learn the trade of his father. (laughs) So when Mustafa dies, Aladdin's mother accepts that he is going to amount to nothing, so sells the family shop in order to make ends meet for her and her son. Aladdin basically is the worst son ever, disrespects his mom and befriends a bunch of rebellious teenagers like him. Imagine still being in the days when you went into the same job as your as your, your parents, parents. like yeah. I would either be a nurse or a, a like a a fitter and turner yeah. so yeah and I do not <laughs> want my children to be teachers cuz that job is stressful as fuck so
3: <laughs> <laughs> I find it really interesting that when the father dies the mother sells the shop she doesn't work in the shop she's not a tailor yeah
2: right okay so we're very
3: much in the woman keeps the house man yeah. works um thing But also, the mother, you're going to find out, becomes like basically the main character of the book and you never find out what her name is. She's just Aladdin's Mother. mother. A
2: famous African magician comes across Aladdin in the street. He explains that he is his father's brother and invites himself over for dinner. Aladdin runs home to tell, to ask his mother about his uncle, but she tells him that neither she nor her husband has a brother, as Mustafa's brother died years ago. Aladdin's mother prepares the food, and ding dong, here is the magician at the door. The mother still has no idea who this guy is, but he has wine and fruit, so she pulls out the sofa. <laughs> he explains he is in fact Mustafa's brother, but he's been travelling the world, which is why they had never met that's fair. If someone turns up on my door and has wine and fruit, I'll be like, yeah, sure, come on in. <laughs> come Sleep, in. Sleep come on in, the bro. couch,
0: it's School. cool, yeah. it's cool.
2: <laughs> the magician offers Aladdin a job, working in the ancient version of Coco Chanel as a retail assistant, which he readily accepts. The magician takes Aladdin on a few pages of walking to various gardens, shops, and such things. They reach a valley and the magician starts doing magic. At some point, he, Will Smith style, smacks the shit out of Aladdin, well done, great reference Um, a magical flat stone with a brass ring appears on the ground uh, (laughs) I'm just reading Will Smith's name everywhere, Aladdin (laughs) uses the strength of his forefathers to lift it up to reveal a staircase to an underground door the magician instructs Aladdin to go inside where he will find three chambers full of shiny stuff. He's instructed to not let any part of his being or clothing touch the items or he will die. In the third room is a lamp that he must blow out and empty the oil, then bring back out to the magician.
3: So it's it's like a reminder that the lamps are a thing that they used to burn yeah, oil in. actually
2: like a legit They weren't lamp. always for genies.
3: Yeah. And uh, I, I counted in the film three rooms. Yeah, okay. The room of gold, and then the carpet takes him through one that's got like the lava sort of stuff in it, and then the third room is the one with the steps. Ah, Oh, there you go. Detail.
2: On his way out of the underground cave, Aladdin gets to the mouth and asks his uncle to help him up. The magician demands he give him the lamp first, and Aladdin's like, WTF, bro? Help me up first. So the magician, who surprise, surprise, is not Aladdin's uncle, magics the stone back on top of the opening and seals the ground with Aladdin inside. Aladdin is underground in utter darkness for three days. Just as he thinks he's about to die, he accidentally rubs a very convenient plot device in the form of a magic ring that for some reason the magician put on his finger earlier. A genie appears. This genie is a slave to the ring and whoever wears it. Aladdin immediately asks that he get him out of the tomb and bingo bango we are back on top of the land and Aladdin goes home. His mother is all, we are poor, we need money. So Aladdin says, I'll sell this lamp, and gives it to his mother to wash. She begins to wash it, and hey, presto, another genie. The lamp genie uh, grabs them a feast load of food. Aladdin sells the dishes. The food comes in for money, and this is how they live for a few pages. There's an announcement that the Princess ba- Badr? Bada? Princess Badr?
3: I have Arabic friends, people who speak Arabic, explain this to me. So it's Badr. Badr. And her full name, which I spared you... Yeah is Badr al-Badur.
2: Okay, but yeah, right. she
3: then gets referenced as Princess Badr. So it's right. Badr goes straight to the R.
2: Princess Badr, Badr I'm going to butcher <laughs> that. I'm so sorry. I am very, very sorry. Uh, is going to go for a walk through town to get to the baths. Aladdin gets a peek of her and strikes an instant boner. He then spends a few days sulking at home until finally telling his mother that he loves the princess and is going to ask the sultan for her hand in marriage. The power of boners, people. The power of boners. After spending nearly three pages telling him he's an idiot, the mother agrees to journey to the palace to request a meeting with the sultan to ask him to marry off his daughter to her son. Aladdin gives her a bunch of jewels from the Cave of Wonders to buy the princess with and off she goes. The mother visits the palace seven times before finally the Sultan agrees to see her. She tells him, My son loves your daughter, and hands him the gems. He loses his mind over the gemstones and agrees to sell, sorry, marry off his daughter. The Grand Vizier who is standing next to him suddenly gets all upset because he was under the impression the princess was betrothed to one of his sons. He asks the Sultan uh, to put a three-month pause on the wedding, and the Sultan agrees, despite being very sure the Grand Vizier's, Vizier's son could in no way come up with a payment that's fantastic. Two months go by when suddenly it's announced that the princess, is, the princess is set to marry the son of the Grand Vizier tonight. Aladdin and his mother flip out, so Aladdin runs to his room, summons the genie, and asks for this. I demand that as soon as the bride and bridegroom are in bed, you carry them off and bring them both here in their bed the genie waits in the bridal chamber and watches the princess be forcibly undressed and put into bed next to her groom before whisking them away to Aladdin's house once the bed arrives Aladdin tells the genie to take the Grand Vizier's son away and lock him up until morning then he turns to the naked princess confesses his love strips naked jumps into bed and falls asleep next to her Wink, This bit wink. isn't the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh, bed is sent back to the palace. The princess tells her mother, the Sultan, uh, the Sultana. Is it really Sultana? As
3: in... There's the sultan and sultana. Yeah, sultana okay. is the wife of the sultan. Cool. Yeah, delicious. Cool.
2: <laughs> about what is uh, about what happened. The sultana calls her crazy and tells her to enjoy the festivities. Aladdin, knowing that the newlyweds are going to try and bonk tonight, asks the genie to once again bring the bed to him once they get in. So the genie brings the bed, sends off the sun, Aladdin gets naked, lies next to her and puts the bed back the next morning. The sultan, seeing how upset his daughter is, threatens to cut off her head for being so sad. She explains the batshit crazy events of the last two nights and her husband is sent home. Flash forward to the three month mark and Aladdin gets his mother to return to the Sultan to ask him to marry off his daughter to him. The Sultan is like, I want to keep my word, but you're poor. So basically, the price for my daughter is now 40 solid gold bowls brimming with jewels carried by 80 slaves. Okay, thanks. Bye. So, Aladdin couriers back to the palace eight slaves with gold bowls full of jewels, along with his mother. Upon seeing the spectacle, the Sultan and Grand Vizier both agree that Aladdin, who they still haven't met, should marry the princess. Hearing the news, Aladdin orders the full Prince Ali works, slaves, riches, horses, money, etc. It's a smash hit and the Sultan prepares a wedding right away. Because Aladdin is an idiot, he has a palace built for him by the genie in a day. The Grand Vizier is all, what the fuck, this is magic, but everyone else is too happy to give a shit. Aladdin becomes commander of the Sultan's army, everyone loves him, blah blah blah. Then the magician, who's back in Africa, uses his magic eye spy box to find that Aladdin is not dead, but in fact a rich fat cat married to the princess. So he rides a horse back to China and gets his hands on the lamp by tricking the princess to exchange new lamps for old. Aladdin still has the magic ring and is able to summon Genie 2.0. The Genie of the Ring cannot directly undo any of the magic of the Genie of the Lamp, but he is able to transport Aladdin to the Maghreb where, with the help of the princess, he recovers the lamp and slays the sorcerer, returning the palace to its proper place. The magician has a more powerful and evil brother because this story isn't long enough, and he plans to destroy Aladdin for killing his brother by disguising himself as an old woman known for her healing powers. Aladdin is warned of this danger. By the genie of the lamp and slays the imposter. Aladdin eventually becomes Sultan and they all live happily ever after the end. Whew. That's uh that's lengthy and very convoluted. Like two genies.
3: There's two genies. Why? Yeah. Like <laughs> there's no magic carpet, which is yeah. interesting. And they get married and there's still like thirty pages to go. Fun
2: story. My mum went to a boarding school in New Zealand. And she told me when I was much younger that she was in a stage show of Aladdin once. And I was like, oh, oh. that's cool. What part did you play? And because I only knew the <laughs> of Aladdin as this story, she was like, oh, I played the genie of the ring. I was like, the fuck oh. are you on, mum? <laughs> like, get off, get off the crack. <laughs> 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 Just... <laughs> there you so, go. yeah. Um, so, my mum uh, claimed a fame. My mum played the genie of the ring in uh, a school production of Aladdin.
3: There you go. So, yeah, uh, the big Bane differences are there's no magic carpet, there's two genies, the genie of the lamp is more powerful than the genie of the ring, and there's no limit on wishes.
2: Yeah, okay, that's a pretty big one.
3: Yeah, so Disney put in the three wishes limit because they realised there's no way to end a film where you have a magical genie with unlimited wishes. So, yeah, a really, really long story and a really, really long summary, but that was literally as short as mm. I could make it. I cut out some of the stuff. But also, the mother is a super prominent figure in that story. Yeah. So she's the one that continuously goes back to the Sultan to say, hey, yeah. can my son marry your daughter? She's the one that kind of keeps it all together. And she was originally in the film.
2: Yeah, okay. So
3: originally they had a mother character. And then this movie basically was fully storyboarded, which is a crap ton of work. Mm. And then Katzenberg was like, no, nah, I hate it. Start again. And they had to rewrite this movie and re-storyboard this movie from scratch in eight days. Okay. Which is insane. And the first thing to go was the mother. Right. Make him an orphan. Yeah. Because the whole no, like, protagonists really ever have parents mm. or the parents die mm. is Clements and Musker's idea of how to instantly have sympathy for the protagonist. Yeah. Just kill a parent and usually the mother. Yeah, okay. Or watch the parents die, which is like the line. yeah king. So, yeah, kill the mother and instantly we're like, oh, poor Aladdin. It works. I mean, yeah. we don't see his father, but it's like, whatever. It's the mother that... The yeah. Mother. <laughs> which is why I'm sure you've got a songs from the Cutting Room Floor to do with...
2: That. Uh, I... Look that's where it gets a little bit tricky so we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it i think oh actually no, i'll right. talk about it now so a lot of the songs um that were cut from this movie were then sort of re uh reinserted into the story for the 2011 stage musical so a lot of the songs that were cut from this movie i'm probably not going to cover because we may cover the musicals one day unsure about that yet so i don't want to sort of you know step on our toes so we do have some mm-hmm. cut songs that were not used in the musical so they will they will appear there but proud of your boy i think is the song that you're referring to that was reinserted yeah. into the musical uh, for the stage show so yeah it's um it is interesting sort of yeah suddenly having no parents when there's clearly songs that indicated there was at least a mother so yeah there's
3: a bunch of other stuff i can mention but i might like slot it in in between the songs so we can get to the sure. music because i know some people are like get to the music <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are we are <laughs> Hey guys, Will here from Stackers and Will. Firstly, big thank you as always to our patrons. We thank you, every single one of you. And if you want to join us over at Patreon and get access to things like bonus episodes, uh, you certainly can at patreon.com dissectingdisney dissecting Disney. Uh, If you are unable to support us on Patreon, that's absolutely fine. Uh, The best thing you can do is share our podcast with your friends and tell them what we're doing. Ask them what their favourite Disney song is. That usually gets some pretty passionate and heated responses. Um, Stackers is appearing in a Disney-themed cabaret called Life According to the Mouse, which will be on... What are those dates, Stackers?
3: April 25 to April 31.
2: At the Butterfly Club in Melbourne. You can find tickets at thebutterflyclub.com. Will is going to appear in a production of *Lame Miserables as Javert, the ever-tired cop, which he is drawing on his experience as a teacher to portray. Uh, you can find tickets to that at karalika.com.au. The Carolica Centre. K-A-R-R-A-L-Y-K-A Centre. Back to it. Song one.
4: Come on down, stop on by, hop a carpet and fly to another Arabian night. Arabian It's like Arabian days. More open than that, are hotter than hot in a lot of good ways.
2: I really love this melody. Mm. I think it's great and I think and again I don't want to de- you know compare too much with the live action or the stage musical or anything like that but I think the way that it's sort of f- even more fleshed out in the stage musical is really great I really love it oh, It's a perfect opening, I think. Yeah, it's
3: quite long in the stage musical. It is,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: Because also in the stage musical, the genie is like the narrator. Yeah. So he comes out first and then he sings this and then Mm. there's a lot of people singing with him and, and whatnot. Which is funny because this is... The Peddler is voiced by Robin Williams, but this song isn't sung by him. Yeah. So this song is actually sung by Bruce Adler, who, watch this connection, he is the original Bella Zangler... In Crazy For You.
2: Ah.
3: Opposite Ariel.
2: Oh, Jody Benson really? in the
3: role of Polly Baker. Yeah. Okay,
2: there we go. So they're
3: both in the original Broadway cast, which I thought was really cool. That's cute. That's really
2: cool. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: So he's the one singing this song. Now, this song has a controversial line mm. that you will not have heard because they've they changed it on basically everything. But the original opening line includes Where they cut off your ear, if they don't like your face, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home.
2: Mm. Yeah.
3: And now it's...
2: Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense.
3: It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. So that's been changed on, I think on the original VHS, it must have been the original lyric, because that sounds so weird to me, meaning I've always heard it as they cut off your ear if they don't like your face.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really... Like, it didn't stand out to me, so...
3: Oh, really? Yeah, it
2: didn't say anything. I to was me. like,
3: well, that's weird.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Weird.
3: So they changed that because they thought that immediately just kind of dehumanized yeah. Arabic people. Because al- although Agrabah isn't a real place, yeah. shock, horror, gasp, because some people think it Oi. is. Um, <laughs> it's not a real place. You will not find it in an atlas. Yeah, yeah. It's very obviously set in the Middle East and they, they yeah. didn't like it, so they changed it. But I love. When he gets that, oh, baby, you're nice, and there's like that cymbal roll thing, and ah, it's magic. And you see the, it's a quick pan across
2: the dunes to the palace. It's stunning. It is stunning. Yeah,
3: beautiful, beautiful opening sequence, Mm. and how Aladdin goes into like flames. That really seductive line played by the string section. It's really, really cool.
2: Yeah, so good. It's a great song and a great opening.
3: So, for those of you who have not listened to our podcast before, we break things down into five categories. So we rate them out of five for music. Lyrics, animation, contribution, and our cake score. Will, what is our cake score? It's our
2: catchy Kylie earworm score. Basically, how well do you remember the song? To another Arabian night. I rated it at a five for music, a three for lyrics, a four for animation, a two for contribution, and a four for cake.
3: Mmm, pretty nice scores there. I gave it a four for music, mm-hmm. a three for lyrics, a three for animation, a four for contribution—much higher than yours—and yep. a four for cake.
2: Fair enough. I-, I think my contribution was just lower because it introduces the story, I guess, and it gives you the setting. It gives you, it tells you what the story is going to be about. Um, I just. I feel like most of that happens after the actual song. So, like, the song yeah. itself is really more of an introduction to the the country and the region and, like, the the, the, the desert, which I think is almost like a lead character in itself in this because everything's sandy and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. yeah. So, I, I think it that's why I rated it lower. Eh.
3: I think it does a really nice job of being, like, we're not in Western culture anymore. It does like yeah. every single movie. Are there any movies prior to this that weren't set in America or Europe?
2: No, I don't think so. At least not not Disney movies. No, no. Yeah. Um, so as
3: soon as you hear that opening line, you're like, "Ooh, yeah." We're not in the land of white privilege anymore.
2: It is little details, I guess, like that. That sort of when I was younger, certainly it made me a little bit more aware, I guess, because like. I, I think I've spoken before. I'm a pretty white guy. I uh, you know, I grew up in a very in a very white sort of area. and my exposure to different cultures was very minimal, very, very minimal. And so when you get, even though it's not probably the best pr- depictions of those cultures in movies like these in you know the next couple that we're going to talk about, to get some sort of exposure, I think was really great. And I just remember mm. the moment I clicked that Allah is, the god is their god not Mm. not is like the god of of these cultures and not god god God, which is uh was like a real sort of cool moment for me i was like oh that's cool but um yeah Stunning, stunning opening song, and I think Robin Williams does a really good job speaking it. I think the the whole this oh, is the so the funny. famous Dead Sea Tupperware. Listen, ah, still good. <laughs> like it's very. You
3: can tell none of that scripted. no, like the, no the absolutely. Like, you're a peddler. You've got random shit. Yeah, go, go.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, also Julian Fries.
3: Ah. <laughs> I think um this would have been so challenging and fun to animate. Yeah because you would have no idea what you're going to do until you hear yeah, yeah. The, the edit of the audio and go, all right, cool, we're going to make that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: It's really good. It's really funny. But, yeah, and then it, it gets quite dark really quickly. Like, we get, like, a quite a dark sort of little continuation to the prologue with Jafar meeting, is it Gazim? The Gaz, no, it's Gazim, yeah, played by Charlie Gaza. Adler. G- Gazza. And he tries to enter the Cave of Wonders and is denied violently. So, yeah.
4: (laughs) Well, that's a surprise. That's incredible. I think I'm going to have
2: a heart attack and die. (laughs) It's such a distinct voice. But when I was younger, I always thought it was Martin Short. Right. And now that I'm old, older and I know that there's a difference between Martin Short and Gilbert Gottfried, I'm like, oh, yeah, of God. course. How could I think it would be anyone other than Gilbert Gottfried? And then we get to the introduction to Aladdin with One Jump.
0: Gotta keep one jump ahead of the bread line, One swing ahead of the sword. I steal only what I can't afford. That's everything. One jump ahead of the lawmen. That's all and that's no joke. These guys don't appreciate I'm broke. Riff raff. Just a little snack, guys. Rip him open, take it back, guys. I can take a hint, gotta face the facts. You're my only friend, Abu.
3: This brings back PTSD of playing the freaking video game.
2: Yes. I loved Holy that crap. fucking video game.
3: It was so
2: hard. Oh, so hard, but my God, what a game. <laughs> I loved the shit out of it. I could never, <laughs> I could never finish it, and it always... Uh, Infuriated me.
3: Yeah, I sucked really bad. And these games you couldn't pause. No. There was this in the Lion King. Yeah, you couldn't save them. Sorry, yeah. so it was like right or die every time. You back started in the basement, again. you're like, but mom, I'm up to the best part. You like again. when you hear, you know, for the for the uh, gen freaking whatever up to kids when they hear the original black or white yeah, and they've got like damn turn that down he's like mom this is the best part. I just imagine myself playing these bloody games where you're like I can't save like if I turn it off I'm gonna lose all my progress that's the stress we lived with in the 90s kids that's the stress we lived with
2: late 90s I bought uh, I went and worked for my uncle and I uh, he paid me pretty well for my holiday work like not pretty well but as a a year 8 kid I was like oh yes money and so (laughs) I bought a Playstation but I didn't have any of the saving cards and so (laughs) we hired rayman (gasps) 2 oh rayman bomb it's such a good game but i loved basically we had it i think it was like a two night hire or something and again for the zoomers this is you know back in the day when you had to hire (laughs) things from the video shop and uh we had it as a two day hire and i don't think the playstation was ever turned off in that two days and it got to about Half an hour before we had to leave uh, to take it back. And my brother got really upset because I turned off the PlayStation and we'd made it (gasps) so far and we hadn't been able to save it. It was, yeah. Oh, what a time.
3: One jump ahead. What did you score it?
2: I scored it almost flat fives.
3: Oh, Will.
2: Almost flat fives.
3: Where did it lose? It
2: lost a point in cake. Okay. So cool. everything was five except for cake, which was four, and it's just because I couldn't remember all of the words. If I'd, I was playing through it in my head, and I'm like, "Do I remember it all? No, I don't." I hate
3: this cake score. <laughs> um, this one I do remember all the words for, yep. so this one got flat fives from me. Yeah, nice. Oh, I it, now I know how you felt when we were doing uh, bit in the beast,
2: bit in the beast. Yeah. No, the
3: little mermaid. I think no, it was. No, the the beast. Beast. it was beat Where you like flat fives, flat and fives, and like I'm what?
2: Like, flat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It feels like uh, like I, I could have easily given it flat fives, and I think I initially wrote it out with flat fives, and then I was like, ah, oh, actually, I can remember a lot of it, but I can't remember it all.
3: Yeah, I really, really, really liked this as a as a kid. Yeah, this number. No, I thought it's it was it's really, really, it's really an
2: fun. incredible number. It's.
3: There's actually awesome live action footage that I will share of this of an actor acting out lots of this, like lots. They've got him climbing poles and kicking barrels and basically they had issues with trying to animate Aladdin because if you think about this, they've never really had a leading male character before that wasn't Peter Pan.
2: Yeah, okay. Or
3: Robin Hood, but he was a fox. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't count. And so previously they've had lots of Prince Charmings, which for the most part, until like Little Mermaid yeah. were very boring bland characters. Like yeah, they weren't they weren't the best drawn, they weren't the most exciting characters, and then all of a sudden they've got a movie that's named after the male lead, yeah, and no one wanted to draw him because they were like, "We don't know how to draw that. We know how to draw pretty princesses."
2: Yeah, okay, yeah.
3: And there was a decision made. The animators decided he needed to be smaller than like a prince charming type because he's a he's a street rat. He's not going to be tall. Yeah. and he's going to be scrappy and, and yeah. charming. He's got to be more scrappy. Young, scrappy and, and it was Katzenberg who said, "Make him look like Tom Cruise." And now when I see him, I can't not see Tom Cruise. He looks like an animated Tom
2: Cruise. I I, I take it. Yeah, I see it. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. All right. So following this, there is a reprise Mm -hmm. of One Jump Ahead. Riff Raff, Street Rat which lasts about five seconds, so we did not rate it. No,
2: we didn't. Now, as I said earlier, there are some cut songs from this that um, make it into the musical, so I'm not going to cover those, but this is the first of our songs from the Cutting Room Floor.
1: Songs from the Cutting Room. Songs from the Cutting Room. Songs from
2: the Cutting Room. This song is called You Can Count On Me, and it was sung uh, to Abu by Aladdin. And basically, it's uh, here's what it sounds like. My friend...
0: You can count on me. We won't just get by. Hang on tight and we'll have adventures. Diamonds and pearls. We'll rescue damsels. Did I mention girls and then...
3: The melody's so familiar.
2: Yeah, it, it, this song was actually written completely by Alan Menken. So music and lyrics were written by Alan Menken. Ah. Because Ashman had actually passed away at this point in time unfortunately mm-hmm. so yeah it's actually a really like it's kind of a pretty song it sounds a little bit like it belongs more in little shop of horrors than it does in aladdin because yeah it has a very familiar sort of vibe i guess um not quite grow for me but sort of in that same sort of vein. i can
3: imagine yeah i can imagine um i was gonna say mushnik what's his name seymour seymour i can imagine seymour singing that to the plant
2: yeah my you friend can you can
3: count on me, on me
2: yeah it's it's quite lovely it's quite a lovely melody but yeah that's the first of our songs from the cutting room floor
3: oh that's cute yeah Moving on to the Cave of
2: Wonders. Yeah, so we get this incredible Cave of Wonders and it looks so Doesn't good. it look
3: cool? The
2: design of the, the mouth, the, uh, the, like the tiger's the head, tiger. the um, the the design of the cave, it is so stunning. It's such a beautiful sequence. Yeah, um, total props
3: it, to whoever decided that because the original is a hole in the ground.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it doesn't last long either. Like This is a very fast segment of the movie. For something that is so iconic, and so memorable it's not a very long section of the movie
3: yeah i think yeah. it's just such a powerful image
2: yeah absolutely but yeah we uh we get uh, th- he gets the the lamp realizes jafar has duped him into retrieving it and ends up in the cave with the genie uh, and then we get friend like me <laughs>
4: 40 thieves Sherry's already had a thousand tales but Master you in luck cause up your sleeves you got a brand of magic never fails you got some power in your corner now it's heavy ammunition in your can you got some punch and Yahoo and how I say all you gotta do is rub that lamp and I'll say Mr. Alonzo what will your pleasure be let me take your
3: Odell judge it down
4: you ain't never had a like me <laughs> such
2: a good song
3: oh. Robin. It's so good. It is a masterclass in acting through song.
2: It makes you kind of wonder, because, like, as we've sort of already said, Robin Williams is an incredible improv guy, and they've had to, like, you know, animate all this stuff around his dialogue. But obviously, he can't really improv a lot in a song, but there's still a lot of incredible, of that same incredible animation that they have Mm. obviously... They've obviously gotten into his head a little bit and gone, okay, he's singing this a little bit like this, so we should do this and all that sort of stuff. It's um, it's a really, really well animated so- song. Really, really well sung song. I, I really love it.
3: This was, I remember seeing the professional Aladdin, the Broadway, sorry, production. And this song, it's just like, it's kind of cool. Yeah. But because the animated sequence is so incredible it's kind of the same Mm. when you see be our guest but in this you just you you see the genie flying around and things appearing
1: yeah it doesn't matter
3: how many dancers or sparkly lights they throw Mm. at that for me i was just like it's underwhelming and I yeah. don't know how they could make it whelming. Like I remember explaining it to my friend once and he said that when he saw Aladdin at Disneyland, which often they try much more to recreate the film as opposed yeah. to the Broadway musical tries to do its own thing. He said there was much more like magic inverted commas in the sequence there. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, I was it was great, they did their best, but I don't know, mm. there's something about I don't know if it's Robin, the animation, both. Yeah. I just was underwhelmed.
2: No, absolutely, and um, I think yeah. At the risk of giving you a horrible pun, it does lose some of its magic being on stage, um, because obviously they are restricted with what they can actually do. Mm. What did you think? And I guess, I guess, one day we'll talk about this, but just to briefly, as an aside, what did you think of Will Smith as the genie in the live-action remake?
3: Woo!
4: I'm the best.
3: I think he did a phenomenal job. Yep. of doing Will Smith's version of The Genie. Yeah. I think they fucked this song up terribly. Yeah. Terribly. Yeah. By not letting him do a Will Smith version, which is in the credits.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, They tried. They were like, do your own thing, but in this song, be Robin Williams. Yeah. And it just, it didn't work. But this song aside, I thought he was hilarious. It's
0: cold and it's it's
2: dark in
3: that lamp, but I prefer it to
2: this. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that he was actually the best thing of that live action remake and that really surprised me because i wasn't expecting that
3: no everyone Um, was like what the fuck (laughs) yeah
2: exactly exactly and then we got that weird trailer where it was like he was like the the fat genie almost because of the way that he'd been um animated but yeah it was um yeah anyway like i said one day we'll talk about it but that's not this song
3: fun animation facts
2: yeah please
3: the carpet Yep. So, the carpet is hand-drawn in terms of the outline and the tassels, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. but
3: the actual Persian rug yeah. is, which is custom designed, if you freeze frame, you see it's lamps, it's Rajah's head, and there's something else, like it's all to do with the movie. Oh, and really? The coloring. Yeah, the colouring's all the movie as well. It's like the purple and the gold, which ends up being he's got the purple inside of the cape and the gold is CGI because they realized with something that detailed, there was no way they would be able to consistently hand draw all of that detail on the rug with it twisting and morphing and all the different angles. That's so they basically, really cool. yeah they basically mapped the rug yeah. and then just drew the outline and then the CGI just kind of moved with the, the animation.
2: That's very cool. Yeah. I, adi- I did not realize that. That's really, really cool. And yeah. just to talk about the carpet for a second, it's such a fun character and there's so much that they, there's so, it gets so much emotion and like light and shade from a rug. The The way that they move it is incredible. I just think it's such a, a wonderful addition to this movie.
3: Yep. 100%. Mm. What did you rate the song?
2: Almost flat fives. <laughs>
1: well, what are you doing?
3: oh my god let me guess i don't remember all the words so it got four for cake
2: no it actually got five for cake it got four for contribution
3: (gasps) why
2: i think it only the the, it contributes to the story only in that it really describes the genie and what the genie's about I, i don't know like it's a it's a three minute song about how cool the genie is which is which is cool it's cool uh, I just don't think it fully contributes to the story as much as it could.
3: Oh, you're the worst. You know why you're the worst? Because why? when Tim listens to this, he's going to be like, see, I told you, I told you, I told you. <laughs> so he was like, what does it contribute? And I was like, because all he said is you can get three wishes, but now he's showing you all the things you can wish for. Like, it's an overwhelming choice of things you could possibly dream of to wish for.
2: Yeah. And- Okay.
3: So from here, Aladdin's like, well, fuck, you can make me a prince if I wanted to. And you see like the incredible, immeasurable skill of the genie and you fall in love with the genie and genie, 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 genie. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> um, I, look, I I get it. I get it. And you're right. It does sort of, there is a difference between saying you can have three wishes and saying, look at all the fucking cool shit I can do. I'm sticking with my four, but I respect your five.
3: Yep. Cool. Great.
2: <laughs> I feel like now that we've had the flat fives, and last week i last episode I gave out a couple that you didn't do. I feel like I'm I'm a bit more timid now, and I'm like, oh no, I now I need to look for reasons yeah. for it to not be flat fives.
3: I think it's just because like the first movie we did it in, which was The Little Mermaid. Yeah. We gave two flat fives, and they yeah. were the same song. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So we we're just yeah. like so flat we're, fives, we were ding, in ding, perfect
2: ding, 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 sync. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. and yeah. now we're not
2: oh no we will be it's because we're I, remote I blame remote
3: I blame the remoteness too I rated these songs higher than I did Beauty and the Beast and I yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, obsessed yeah. with Beauty and the Beast like what is yeah. wrong with me
2: I do think that the opening hook to this song is perfect Fire. And it's it's iconic and you will never hear it and no one would ever hear it and not know what song it's from that stuff it's just perfect and it's just, i think it's the same with prince ali The dum. it's again no one will ever hear that and not know what song it's from but i mean that's the next song we're talking about so let's just jump straight into it i guess
1: Big
4: The hey, you! Let us through, it's a bright new star. Oh, come, be the first on your block to meet his eye. Make way, here he comes, ring bell, bang the drum. Are you gonna love this guy? Prince Ali, fabulous, he, Ali you flex? show some respect down the Monday. Now try your best to stay calm, brush up your Sunday salon. Then come and meet a spectacular
3: coterie.
2: Oh, I fucking love this I song. I should
3: make mention at this point, so the three songs that Howard Ashman wrote the lyrics for yep. were Arabian Nights, Friend Like Me, and Prince Ali. So the two genie songs and the one that sounds like the genie was singing it. <laughs> they are the surviving uh, songs in the movie.
2: Yeah, okay.
3: By Howard Ashman, which is why lyrically they're so cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Prince Ali.
3: Prince Ali.
2: What did you rate it?
3: What did you rate it?
2: <laughs> Flat fives.
3: I go four for cake. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, <the worst.
2: laughs> I just don't go. remember
3: all the words, and it's partly because, like, you can't understand what the frick the ensemble's singing. But I was like, I yeah. know friend like me, I know one jump ahead. Mm. This, I'm like, hey, you in the bazaar, hey you, fiddy foo, I've no idea what the words are.
2: <prompts him> sorry, I've just re looked at my scores. I did give it a four for cake. Bag it up. Bag it up, slow. Yeah. Bag
0: it, it up. Yeah. Bag it up. Okay. We'll we, we just bag it up, okay? Huh? That's it.
2: Because you're saying that, and I was like, yeah, actually, no, I I don't know that either. So let me just double check. And I looked at it, I was like, oh no. No. <laughs> I've given something else flat fires, which uh, we'll get to.
3: <laughs> Thankfully, there was no buzzer there, or we would have been very sorry, well, I'm gonna undo, it's kind of like going. The winner is.
2: Yeah. La la yeah. land. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't win.
3: <laughs> this yeah. has one of my favorite lyrics in it. This is Howard Ashman's finest, in my opinion, in this film. Yep. Genuflect, show some respect, down on one knee.
4: Genuflect, show some respect, down on one knee.
3: What a freaking awesome line.
2: So good. So good. And Robin Williams just, again, he sings the shit out of it. Like, oh my God. Didn't Great tune. I love the, the feathers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So good, so good.
3: Songs from the Candy Moon, Songs from the Candy Moon, Songs from the
4: Candy yeah!
2: So, this next song is called uh, "To Be Free," and it's the it's it, it was written as a ballad to be sung by the genie. So, in addition to friends like me and Prince the genie. Ali, yeah, to by the genie. Now, the reason why it was cut is because it felt kind of weird to have the genie singing a relatively somber song, particularly when it was the third song back to back that the genie was singing. Um, so oh, let's, yeah. let's have a quick listen to it.
1: Lucky bird inside a gilded cage.
0: Golden words spoke by an ancient sage. Everything you may have in life, still all you hold is dust. Must I yearn forever to be free? Free to climb a tree and ponder. Free to wander.
1: There's no desire I hold fonder than to be. Simply me. To be free.
2: So that song, um was originally written for the genie now I, I you know i said i didn't include some songs because they appeared in the musical now this was used in um aladdin a musical spectacular which was not the aladdin musical but it's Is that a, the
3: Disneyland? Thing? Yeah,
2: Disney California Adventure from yeah, and, and it was it ran for quite some time. I think it was um, from 2003 to 2016 or something. Yeah, um, and this song was given to Jasmine for that for the uh, musical spectacular. Um, the song also was used in things like Disney on Ice and stuff like that. So, oh. utilized quite a bit um, and quite a lovely little song.
3: Well, look, it makes a shit ton more sense than Speechless. Uh- you can't keep me quiet. Oh, I just, I can't even with that song. She is the most like uh, independent, strong, mm. I don't take that shit princess. Mm. Yep. Then she sings a whole song mm. about not being silenced yeah. when no one has tried to silence her.
2: I think that uh, the song called Speechless makes much more sense in The Little Mermaid. The little
3: frickin' mermaid, how upset would they be? <laughs> yeah. when they get to Little Mermaid like Fuck
2: <laughs> Someone was looking at that going, Oh, yeah, we should have yeah, okay. Oh.
3: I who's doing is it oh, it's Lynn and doing yeah. uh, Little Mermaids. He's like, damn it, they took it. I have to take no talking. I, like, oh, I don't talk to anyone. No talking Do-do. to
2: strangers. We don't yeah. talk to strangers. No, I just
3: no. It's just like, no one tries to tell her what to do. Like yeah, the, so, and yeah. especially in the movie when the Sultan's like, yeah, you can be Sultan. You can be who you want to be. And then mm. she's like, I will not be silenced. And not only that, she sings it to fucking nobody because it's yeah. a dream sequence. Sorry, I just had to get that out because I'm right. so angry.
2: We'll talk about it one day. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so angry. All the feelings.
2: Yeah, so that's the second song from The Cutting Room Floor.
3: Yeah, cool. <laughs> so I feel like now is a nice time to uh, just take a right turn Mm. And uh, talk about how this film is a rip-off of another film. Okay. So, have you ever heard of The Thief and the Cobbler?
2: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, but please, feel free. Yes.
3: Okay, so basically, The Thief and the Cobbler is a film that holds the Guinness World Record for the longest production ever for film. It went for 31 years so basically the thief, thief and the cobbler was written and animated by a man named Richard Williams and he was a perfectionist and the reason it took 31 years was because he would literally spend months and months and months animating a scene and then chuck it all and start again he fired over 100 animators during the process so he was a perfectionist anyway so in the 80s, he showed 20 minutes of footage from this film to Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And the problem was he kept running out of money, which is why the film was also being delayed because he was spending months animating shit, chucking it out, and then being like, well, I don't have the money to re-animate it. So he shows 20 minutes of this to Steven Spielberg, and he's like, this is amazing. Do you want to come and direct Who Framed Roger Rabbit?
2: Right.
3: So Richard Williams is signed on to, f- to direct... Who framed Roger Rabbit. Now, if you remember when we were talking about Beauty and the Beast, mm. they asked him to direct Beauty and the Beast and he said no.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: The reason he said no is because the only reason he was directing Roger Rabbit was so he could have the money to do Thief and the Cobbler.
2: Yeah, okay.
3: So that's why he didn't want Beauty and the Beast. He's like, no, 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 I'm doing my own thing. No, thank you. All right. So we get to uh 1989. Yep. And he's got the funding from Who Framed Roger Rabbit and it goes into full production. He's like, okay, I'm going to get this film done. And Disney says, all right, if you can get it done by 1991, because we know it's been going a long time, Mm. we will distribute it for you. Okay? In 1991. Yeah. He says, okay. And unfortunately, we get to 1991 and the film isn't finished yet. What film comes out in 1992? The Thief and the Cobbler is the story of a peasant in the Middle East who falls in love with a princess whose father has a Grand Vizier who wishes to marry the princess himself.
2: That sounds familiar. I just. I oh, really... did I mention
3: he has a bird? The Grand Vizier has a bird. Yeah, so you're
2: making. You're saying yeah, things that, just... like. Uh, it's painting a picture of something that I have heard.
3: Yeah, and at some point, the cobbler makes a journey and he finds a witch who comes out of oh a uh a a lamp
2: a lamp you say
3: Lamp, yeah which she comes out of a lamp and she does magic and she's like She morphs into all kinds of, like, creatures and, you know, she grows and shrinks in size. That's
2: pretty unique. You would think I would remember uh, something that existed.
3: And, like, they live in a palace and the the top of the palace has, like, those round kind of upside down Christmas baubles with the spike at the top. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen
2: those before. Yeah. You think
3: Um, you've... Yeah. 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 So th- this weird. is the thief and the cobbler that I'm talking about, sorry. Yeah. Not- no, sorry, yeah. I have
2: no idea what you're talking about. No. Yeah, yeah. What, the what thief is and the a cobbler, cobbler, even? Yes. Is it a pie? <laughs> I think it's like a type of fruit pie, isn't it?
3: So basically, Aladdin comes out, which bears an incredible resemblance to this film. Yeah. It's amazing to look at the Grand Vizier and Jafar side by side. Yeah. And yeah. it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway... So Aladdin comes out in 1992, and then they're like, "Well, we've got to get the thief and the cobbler out." But they haven't. The film's still not finished, right? So Miramax, who is owned by Disney, yeah, it's like, look, what we need to do is we need to get the thief and the cobbler out as quickly as possible. Just, just finish it. Just you know, fix it. And just get it out so we can bury it as fast as possible because they don't want this film to come out yeah later in time and be this like big thing mm. they're like we'll just we're going to bury this as fast as we can and so basically they uh rename it to from thief and the cobbler to arabian night right. k-n-i-g-h-t and they add four horrendous music numbers to it but she It comes out and it grosses
2: $320,000.
3: This budget, after 31 years, has totaled $24 million. Oh,
2: boy. Oh, it makes $320,000.
3: Yeah. It flops and it disappears. And the people that do see it are like, this is a total rip-off of Aladdin. What is this shit? Yeah. And Miramax is like, oh, well, goodbye, and buries the film. And now the original film in terms of being animated partially animated um storyboards yeah only exists the Richard uh, Williams has died now yeah it only exists on YouTube in full because some dude has gone and found all the original stuff and tried to smoosh it together yeah and um kind of die diehard fans are like this is better than Aladdin and the animation is actually incredible yeah, in it. it's a I lot remember about, that. Like, optical illusion and there's yeah. a lot of use of like thick bold line which is interesting because if you look at the making of Aladdin some of the animators are like oh we were very inspired by Al Hirschfield who Al Hirschfield did all the really famous caricature drawings of a lot of Broadway actors there's mm. a really famous one of Stephen Sondheim that comes up a lot and they're these just um, outline drawings like caricatures. yeah they're really inspired by that but it kind of looks like Richard Williams was inspired by that as well. Mm. And <laughs> conveniently, oh, did I mention some of the animators that he fired from Thief and the Cobbler happened to be animators on Aladdin? It's weird. Weird,
2: <laughs> uh, just weird sort of coincidence there. Weird coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: it's actually a really sad story. There's sort of like two ways you can look at it. One is, you know, Disney and Jeffrey Katzenberg is shit and mm. they just basically shit all over this poor guy's work. Yeah. On the other hand, he had, 31 years
2: yeah <laughs> to get yeah. this film out I mean, and it was time. kind of like
3: disney did offer to put it out for him yeah and he, you know it's just kind of like well if you're not going to put it out mm. we're gonna do our own version okay thanks bye yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah i mean it does kind of raise the question about um originality and stuff like that like i don't know let's say i was writing a movie and I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no. You can't look at it. You can't look at it. <laughs> yes, I've been writing for 25 years. No, you can't look at it. It's I'd not be, writing. <laughs> you know, someone puts out a movie that looks like mine and I'd be like, nah, why? <laughs> yeah.
3: Can't yeah. be one of the, you know, 150 people that I fired took yeah, my da- idea. What?
2: Damn. Yeah. <laughs> you can just
3: imagine if, you know, Howard Ashman goes, oh, we should do Aladdin. And some of those Thief and Cobbler animators are yeah. sitting there like, holy fuck we've got ideas we've got ideas <laughs> like <laughs> it's set in the middle east you say yeah we got this, yeah cool we guys got this. guys
2: we got, this, <laughs> we got this we got
3: this yeah well yeah. i'll put up um a few side-by-side images and you can look at sh- in shock and horror absolutely all right moving
2: right along to a whole new world i can show you
0: point of view, no one to tell us no or where to go.
3: Or say we're only did Did this strike you as weird when you were watching the film the way that this sounded?
2: Yeah, it sounds very 90s.
3: Well, I was more expecting the version that we all love and know, which is this version. show
0: you the world shining shimmering splendid tell me princess now when did you last let your heart decide I'm
2: sorry I have to go back and listen to the other one hang on I can show you the world
1: shining
0: shimmering splendid
2: my God, when that piano started up, immediately I went, "What? That? It's like my brain just clicked and went, there was something wrong with that fucking song, and that's what it was."
3: Yeah. So I was like, "When I when you think a whole new word, you think do 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 yeah do 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 do. Yeah. do. That is not in the movie. The movie no. is fully orchestrated, and yeah. there is not a piano in sight, and it is stunning." And that is why it got the Academy Award for Best Song, not the version we all know that is on the soundtrack. That has the it's all piano basically. Shit. Okay. Yeah, it's way more intricate. It's way more complex in the film. It that is not the version we know.
2: No. No. Which is so weird.
3: It's so weird. It's not like I I was like, oh, it's a different intro, and then I was like, no, it's a completely different orchestra. Yeah,
2: that is so strange. I mean, I get, yeah, like, because it feels like the the score has obviously melted into the start of the whole new world and they've done all those Mm. beautiful string arrangements and stuff like that for that. Mm. Yeah, it feels so much fuller. You're right.
3: But then, yeah, it just keeps going and you're like, oh, it's not just the intro, it's It's the the entire song, the whole thing. I wrote down in my notes different intro question mark yeah. and then when i went to find the clip for the podcast mm. i was like uh, you know I, I download the soundtrack and i put it in. i was like wait no that's the 90s version that yeah. i know where's the film version yeah. and then i was like holy crap it's completely different yeah <laughs> shit okay yeah.
2: there you go brain melted
3: yeah so this is the karaoke banger that came yeah. out of this movie mm.
2: and it gets a really wonderful like Full, full on 90s uh, cover, which uh, upcoming bonus episode, uh, stay tuned.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so excited.
2: What did you rate it?
3: I gave it almost flat fives. Mm-hmm. I gave it four for animation because it yep. just didn't wow me as much as the other stuff.
2: Okay. Yep. Fair.
3: What about you? Uh,
2: I gave it a five for music, mm-hmm. a three for lyrics, mm-hmm. a five for animation a three for contribution, and a five for cake.
3: Yeah, right. Actually, you know what? I'm actually going to downgrade my lyric to a four. Yeah. The reason being um, I never understood as a kid, and maybe kids in America mm. understand this lyric, but I never understood what every moment red letter meant.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand. I don't know what that means.
3: Well, a red letter day is like an important day, like a day that something amazing happens.
2: Oh, okay. There you go.
3: Red letter day. I heard it in some other musical, and I was like, "That's that line from Aladdin." Like <laughs> 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 every moment, red letter, because I'm sure I'm not the only one who has a kid. Changed it to every moment gets better. Yeah. which oh, yeah. I feel like is more appropriate for a children's film. And I get, I don't want to dwindle these films down to children's film because I get that they're written for a lot yeah, of yeah, different levels of, yeah. of maturity, but I just find that line really grating and mm. awful. And I've sung this a few times because, again, it's one of those things where anytime a guy is around who wants to sing, like, let's do a whole new world, I'm like, okay, and every time I get to every moment, red letter, I'm like, what the fuck is that line? Mm. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> who says that? <laughs>
2: I feel like every primary school choir did this song as well <laughs> in the late 90s. So good. It's an interesting one to to win the academy though. I just think friend like me is so much more interesting.
3: Yeah, I agree. And not to mention Robin Williams' performance like Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But all the like flying across the world is very fun. The way that the um the, like the guy who knocks the nose off the Sphinx and all that sort of stuff is very fun. Like, yeah, it, it's a, it's a fun scene. I like
3: the are they geese that are flying yeah, yeah, next to them? The, yeah, and then one turns and is like. What? Ah! <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, that's a whole new world which yeah. had a. Is this the? No, I'm thinking of Beauty and the Beast. Who covered the... I
2: can't it's
3: It's super 90s. Yeah, oh my God.
2: it is. So 90s. It is.
3: Songs from the Cardinal Someone's Songs from the Cardinal Someone's Songs from the Cardinal Wombs. Oh, there's so many.
2: There is. There's actually two that we're going to go through now because they both occur... Uh, in this point in time before we get to the Prince Ali reprise, which I think is the next song that we need to cover. So the first one is called Humiliate the Boy, and it was originally to be sung by Jafar as he took his revenge on Aladdin by telling everyone who he was, essentially. This was actually the last song that was written by Howard Ashman before his death.
4: Y'all go... Sir? Oh, it's great. Oh, it's such fun to see another fella's dreams turn into nightmares one by one. It's such a love. It's such a joy to roll our sleeves up and humiliate the
3: boy. This song makes a lot of sense, given that Jafar originally was similar to Iago and that he was toffee. And that that is... um Jonathan Freeman singing, yeah. the way he's singing was the original way that he played Jafar. He had to go back and re-record most of his stuff.
2: Yeah, right, yeah. So there are two listed reasons as to why this song was cut. One of them is that the um, the later development of the movie was the choice that um, the genie could only grant three wishes while in the song Jafar is sort of making wish after wish after wish after wish. All oh, um, right. Right. The other reason is that they felt it was too cruel. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's um those are the the two reasons that this song was ultimately cut. Right. The next song, which I think technically comes before "Humiliate the Boy," but they're around about the same time. Uh, it's called "Why Me."
0: Ooh, this has been a long time coming.
4: Oh, if only you knew where It's been a lifetime. In my formative and hungry years, I was unappreciated by my peers. As their slings and arrows flew, I would ponder, wouldn't you? Why me? Why me? Sing it, baby. For a man of my charisma and mystique. Not. I have taken far too long to reach my peak. Why was my status never quo?
3: Why did no one want to know? Poor me. No. Why me? What's this? That's fully orchestrated. Yeah. What
2: is that? It, that was cut pretty late in the piece, was my understanding, because um, it's, it's right. um, uh, Jonathan um, Freeman. Freeman singing as well and as Gilbert, Gilbert Gottfried. Um, yeah. It was written by Alan Menken, lyrics by Tim Rice. I believe that, a version of it appears in the Broadway in the Broadway musical. Not the exact same one, but it's sort of like they've taken a part of it to include in some song for Broadway. Right. Yeah, okay. that's all the uh, songs from the Cutting Room Floor. And now we come to the last song in the movie, which is the Prince Ali Reprise. So Ali
4: turns out to be merely a laden. Just come, need I go on, take it from me. His personality flaws, give me adequate cause. Just send him packing on a one-way trip, so his prospects take a terminal dip. His assets frozen, the venue chosen is the ends of the earth. Experience. So
3: So I remember Alan Menken saying that one of the biggest challenges they had was trying to write a song for Jafar. They needed a villain song. Yeah. And so there were those two songs we just heard and this, which isn't exactly writing a song for him because we've heard this song before. Yeah. But it kicks ass. Kicks it works. This ass. actually works. It
2: kicks ass. It's so good. The build towards the end. The, the To send him packing on a one-way trip. His prospects frozen. All that stuff. It's so and good. And
3: that cackle at the end. Yeah. It's great.
2: And the way he sort of goes, Prince Ali. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs>
3: it's so good. It sounds like it's a song that was finally written for that version of Jafar. yes. Like the other two, just it's the wrong Jafar. This one is like, that's Jafar.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Um, But I love this song and I almost gave it flat fives, but I could not justify it in terms of cake. (laughs) So everything's five except for cake, which is four.
3: Wow, And
2: that's only because the lyrics get a bit wordy towards the end there, and I'm not hundred percent sure how it goes. so
3: right. yeah, i I wasn't as kind. I gave it yeah. three for music, three for lyrics, three for animation, four for contribution, and two for cake. Okay, I think it rocks, but I was like, it's not it's no like poor, unfortunate souls. yeah, um but it's it's perfect for what it needed to be. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, fair enough. Well that's uh, that is all of the songs from 1992's Aladdin.
3: I guess like it's such an amazing movie with such a kind of horrible foundation in that you know it's stolen from another movie essentially and yeah. the way that they treated Robin Williams throughout this.
4: Mm. Animation is there's something so wonderful about a cartoon that you can sit with your child and just laugh like crazy. And especially like, you know, the old Warner Brothers cartoons, and that's what Aladdin was. is basically a, yeah. a Warner Brothers cartoon in Disney drag. Let's make some magic! But you think in a hundred years, two hundred years' time that your great-great-grandchildren are going to be watching that movie. <laughs> but I, I want to do interesting films, work with interesting people, and you know, right. it's something that has an effect, and that, you know, kind of has a you know has a half-life. <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. Because you get to a certain point, you say, what are you leaving behind? And if it's movies like this, I say, great. Jeannie, I'm, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> me too, Al. <laughs> no matter what anybody says, you'll always be a prince to me.
2: But that's Aladdin from 1992, a great film. Do we have a winner?
3: Do we have a winner? Drum roll, please.
2: Burr-
3: it's a tie.
2: Oi. Here we go.
3: It's a tie between One Jump Ahead and Friend Like Me. There we go. Cue the mashup. Got it. One jump ahead
2: of the breadline. One swing ahead of the sword.
3: Uh, oh, my God.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there you go.
3: One jump ahead of the breadline. Wonder. One swing, head of
2: the saw. Oh
3: my God, Alan I Menken, steal.
2: only what I can't afford, <laughs> and that's everything.
3: <laughs> oh, my brain has exploded.
2: Yeah. Watching you. Uh, disassociate from yourself just then was remarkable (laughs) guys i wish i could i wish this was a visual medium because that was like stackers had an out-of-body experience and i could see her like floating above herself on the the, on the zoom screen
3: wow that that's great i just had a great moment
2: now uh unfortunately angie was not available for an angie's anecdote the first time in 22 episodes, not available for an Angie's Anecdote. However, I did message her, just said, hey, did you, did you happen to have an anecdote for me? Um, no stress if not. And she messaged me back a couple hours later and said, sorry, I fell asleep. Just say, Aladdin's hot, lol. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So uh, hot. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting because she hates, well, I don't think she hates, but she does not like Tom Cruise very much. And so it'll be oh interesting no, to then never tell her be that. be able to
3: watch it again.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> for now, Aladdin's hot. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see.
3: All right. Well, that wraps us up for today. We very much, very, very much look forward to the mm. next episode, which will be... The,
2: the Lion, Lion King! King! Time. I'm Stackers. And I'm Will.
1: Bye!